<laughs> but yeah, I would love to just because I think I have probably learned more um, working and living and studying overseas than I have anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I've also kind of come to realize I, I didn't know this until, again, I got introduced to that TCK third culture kid concept mm-hmm. that that's kind of seems to be one of the legacies of having had that kind of childhood. A lot of us, when you're adults, feel like you always need to be somewhere else and it doesn't really <laughs> feel normal to be in one place for, for a long time. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, we, a lot of people kind of talk about this, about how you need, you, you sometimes find ways to scratch those itchy feet in different ways mm-hmm. um, and kind of like, you know, find that um, something to indulge that urge to explore and see new places and new things in, in different ways. Mm-hmm. So that that's what I work on now. Yeah. <laughs> hello, hello. Welcome to Young, Gifted and Abroad, perspectives on studying abroad from past and present students of color. My name is Danielle. And I'm so excited to be able to talk to you today because today I have my friend Naima, or NB, as the guest. As you can hear, my voice is a little compromised today. (laughs) I'm a little under the weather, um, but this is the only time that I had to record myself and put all this together, so um, it is what it is. (laughs) Please bear with me. And unfortunately, for the sake of my voice and your ears, then I have to keep this introduction a little shorter than usual. Um, But yeah, NB, about NB. She grew up as a third culture kid, which is a concept that uh, you'll hear her explain. But basically, her, her folks are from South Africa. She's from Canada. And uh, during her childhood, she also spent some time moving with her parents to the Netherlands, Botswana, and Zimbabwe. And then they moved back to Canada. Um, And since that time, NB has studied and or worked in various countries, including Finland, China, South Africa, and England. And she actually got one of her master's degrees in England. And um, currently she's, she's based in Canada again. So um, she, we, talked about, we talked a little bit about all of those various experiences. NB is a really delightful person to talk to. Very nice, great energy, great sense of humor, very open. And um, oh, I, I can't forget to mention that she is also a podcaster like myself. She hosts a show called Cross Pollination, uh, which is about creativity and innovation and how different um, backgrounds, different fields of interest can intersect and create something that's really, um, create something new. So, um, and she actually won a Canadian podcast award for that show in 2019. So she's doing pretty well. <laughs> um, so I, I really enjoyed talking to her. I learned a lot from NB. I hope that you will as well. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy my interview with my friend, NB.
so that's good. Oh, okay. Yes, that is yeah. good. <laughs> I have to say, when I um when I first saw your email, mm-hmm. uh, like the first email you sent, I saw at the bottom like Canadian Podcast Award winner, and I was like, oh, this person is official, and they want to <laughs> talk to me. That's cool. <laughs> well, I, I felt like that was. I have to say, I mean, totally, totally an accident almost because I, I just I applied for it last year. It's open to you know all. Uh, podcasters based in Canada, and I, mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting anything to happen with it, and um, somehow it did. I still don't know how. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, I, I I feel like I lucked out a little bit with that. But yeah, uh, but yeah. I mean, I mean, you won at fair and square, and now you get that badge of of honor that you can put out there, like, <laughs> hey, I won this. You know? Well, well, I have to tell you that this year, like, they just um, had the um, the entries again for this year, mm-hmm. and this year I wasn't eligible to apply for it. Um, oh really? They ch- yeah, they changed some of the the rules around it. Um, so yeah, this year I wasn't even eligible to, to enter. That's which is kind funny. of funny. Wow. <laughs> yeah, well, I've been enjoying listening to yours. I mean, you, you've had you know a lot of different people and different experiences, different places. It's it's really interesting. Oh, thank you. I'm glad you think yeah. so. Thank you for listening. <laughs> yeah, no, super interesting. I did want to say thank you for reaching out and for agreeing to be a guest. I really do appreciate that. Well, thank you so much for having me on. And, and yeah, I'll definitely make sure to mention your show in it as, as well like oh, in, in mind. So oh, okay. come check it out. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, so why don't we get started with you introducing yourself a bit, if you don't mind? Sure. So um, if, if you don't mind, maybe I'll just use my initial just because, um, you know, people, if they're looking for the podcast, the name is consistent. Like my name is Naima, but and be your sort of my initials. So, and sure, that's what sure. the podcast was, was produced under. So I'm, I'm NB. Um, I can tell you a little bit about my, my travel history. I spent a lot of my childhood living in other countries because of my parents uh, moving for work and so on. And so I guess I, I recently found out when I was, you know, fully an adult that the term for that is someone who's a, a third culture kid who mm. spent a lot of time in, in countries that are not connected to their parents or to their home country, which for me is Canada. Mm. Um, and I think that gave me the travel bug pretty early. Yeah. And it, in a lot of ways, it actually sort of ties in a little bit, I think, with, with the podcast that I do, Cross Pollination, which is about, you know, people who've drawn on different backgrounds and different fields of knowledge, different talents to create something new in the sense that I think having lived in a bunch of different places kind of made me personally a cross pollinator from early on. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and kind of, you know, often be looking to, okay, what did I learn from over here? What did I learn from over there? You know, how can I put those together to tell me something about a new situation? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so for me, it, it started early in childhood. And I think that kind of, I was really fortunate in that. And it kind of gave me a bit of a bug to want to see the rest of the world and, and know what was out there. Um, because I kind of, you know, when we came back, you know, I was kind of in one city and in one neighborhood and it was, it was a lot different than a lot of the other kids that I'd grown up with who'd all gone to school together since, you know, kindergarten. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so I always kind of wanted to know what was on the other side and, and meet people who had different experiences. And so when I was in in high school later on through, um, you know, sort of study abroad experiences and then in, in university, I was, I was able to do that. Um, and at the end, I, I did decide to um, go to grad school um, in England. And I was fortunate to be able to do that. But again, that was just, it gave me a whole different perspective on um, education and kind of a different perspective on my program and, and the topics that we studied that I wouldn't have necessarily gotten if I'd stayed at home. 
Yeah. Wow. So yeah, you, like you said, you got started early and, um, yeah, I think that's interesting how, I mean, the, the term third culture kid is not new, but I guess it probably didn't exist when you were, you know, a kid living abroad with your parents. So is that something that you kind of came more to terms with in retrospect, thinking about your childhood and how that has impacted your view on the world now? Oh, yeah, yeah. I think, you know, I, I totally wasn't aware of it when I was a kid. Um, I think, you know, looking back and, and there's, you know, there's people who've written a bunch of books and kind of there's a bit of literature written about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe that term was known and it covers whole groups of different types of kids, as, as you probably know, people whose families were in the military or diplomats or, you know, their jobs moved them or, the, you know, missionaries, they, you know, it, whole different groups of people. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I think it's, it's much more common now, but, yeah. It does seem I'm, I'm part of a couple of groups sort of online where I kind of see other people discussing the same phenomenon. And it seems like a lot of us didn't realize until we were adults that, you know, there was actually a name for this and that, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people who had that experience growing up have a lot of things in common later in life. Like it really kind of um, imprinted them early and how they see, saw the world and kind of the experiences that they had. And I think for, for a lot of us, it kind of when you kind of read a bit about it and understand, you hear some other people's um perspectives it explains a whole lot about Mm -hmm. you (laughs) yeah yeah for sure and you said this was um or in the email i think you said you were mostly in africa parts of africa and parts of europe when you were moving around with your parents yeah, yeah. So um, the first country we moved to when I was about five was um, in, in the Netherlands. Um, and then we were in Botswana and Zimbabwe after that. Wow. I, I mean, you don't have to go into specifics, but I mean, were your parents involved in a certain t- line of work that had them going to these places? Um, I think, you know, partly, partly it was study and partly it was, it was work. And I think partly, um, you know, my, my family is originally from South Africa. So, you know, mm. they had a connection to Southern Africa. Um, even if they hadn't, you know, directly lived in the countries that are next door to South Africa. Okay. It's, it's sort of part of the same world, broader region, I guess you could call it. Right. And so definitely that connection was there. Okay. What, okay. So you left when you were five. So that's about like school age, right? When you start going to school. Had you started going to school in Canada before before you all moved? Yeah, yeah, I had. I, I had gone to, you know, junior kindergarten and senior kindergarten, or at least maybe part of senior gar- kindergarten. I think I finished the rest of it in, in the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. And then I did sort of three years. I did a bit of homeschooling in, in Botswana, okay. um, which was the place that we were in for the least amount of time. And then I spent another three years in um, elementary school in, in Zimbabwe. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, but I think I was about grade six by the time we came back. Okay. So, so you kind of experienced like education, at least in, um, you know, at, at, at that young age and these different types of environments. I guess I'm wondering about the, like the transition between each kind of phase of, of your education during that time. Was it an easy adjustment because you were used to, to changing environments or, you know, I mean, were there any particularities that stuck out to you that, um, you know, really differed from one, one place to another? 
Oh, yeah, I, I think they, they definitely did. Um, and I think, you know, the younger you are when, when that happens, you know, the easier the transition is because yeah. you don't necessarily really think about it. Um, and I think you're also kind of at an age where it's, it's easy to adapt. And you're also, you know, your, your friend circle is not as important when you're that young. Mm. And so, you know, as long as your family is there, you know, you're, you're reasonably happy. But yeah, I mean, I, I went to a Dutch school. So, you know, at age five, I would have had to learn Dutch at least to the level of, you know, senior kindergarten. And I mm. had Dutch friends and neighbors and that sort of thing. Um, and so, yeah, the language transition was there, but I, I think I was so young and you, you pick up languages so quickly. Mm that age. I right, right. wish we all retained that ability because it's kind of like magic now that I think about it. Yeah. Um, it's a lot harder as an adult. Um, you know, yeah, I don't I don't think I really thought about it then. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, the school system in Zimbabwe was, was quite different. It was much more formal, you know, uniforms, all of that sort of thing. Um, you know, I, I went to school in English there. I did have classes in Shona as a second language, which was language in, in the part of Zimbabwe where, mm-hmm. where I was living. And so, you know, I, I learned enough to, you know, have decent conversational level at that stage. Um, but I, I found actually the biggest transition, I think a lot of third culture kids kind of find this, is when you go home and you, you it's not only a different school system, um, but you also kind of find that there are lots of things that you missed out on that, you know, all of your peers automatically know because, you know, mm-hmm. they grew up with that. And so you start having to relearn the sports. Um, you know, in Canada, a lot of <laughs> schools are, um, you know, you, you'll be learned like countries officially English and French. So I'd missed a year of French already by the time I came back. And so I had to do some classes to kind of catch up to, to where my classmates were. And you have to, you know, learn to play baseball again and things like that. Yeah. So, yeah, that that those were, I think, the, the bigger challenges of coming back and, and trying to fit back in and, um, you know, figuring out what you missed out on. Yeah, yeah. Did you, so when you moved back to Canada, was that back to where you all were living originally before you left? Yes. Yeah. So, so for me, you know, my hometown was Toronto and, um, you know, I think that was a really good thing that made things easier as well that I had like extended family and kind of, you know, it's, it's a place that we visited that it's a place that I'd lived in before, you know, my grandparents, cousins, all of that sort of stuff. So, Mm -hmm. you know, at least there were parts of it that were familiar. Okay. So yeah, it is kind of like coming back home and having to pick up where you left off and fill in, fill in the gaps, that type of thing. I mean, and you mentioned how, you know, when you're younger, it's easy to kind of um, adapt and like f- your friend groups aren't as important because they're not like as established or solidified yet. Uh, but I'm wondering how you went about making friends in, in these respective countries. Like, did you just hang out with your classmates or did you spend a lot of time just with your parents? How did you, you know, form friendships and you know, how were you social as, as a kid when you were growing up in these different countries? Yeah, that, that's always, I think, one of the challenges too, right? And it's, it's one of the key things, I think, as a kid that helps you kind of fit into a place and find a bit of your place, mm-hmm. um, you know, there is is kind of making those friends. And I, I think in all of those places, it was it was a bit of a mixture. Um, you know, some of my friends were classmates. Some of them were other families from other places who were also living there. So, you know, even if we were from different countries, you know, we were all kind of foreigners temporarily in that country together. And that kind mm-hmm. of gave us something a bit in common. And um, yeah, so it was always kind of those those two sides of things. So it was it was a bit of balance, which I think was really good because, you know, I think sometimes, um, you know, especially when you know you're going to be somewhere, you're, you're there for a while, but you're there temporarily. Mm-hmm. You're not quite going to, you know, 
integrate fully and become somebody fully from that place. Yeah. You know, even though you've adapted and, you know, a piece of it stays with you. Um, and so maybe that's where kind of having the friends um, who were there with families from outside as well, that kind of, you know, they were the balance to that because they were in the same situation. Mm-hmm. I think I was also lucky that, you know, often they, I had neighbors, kids who live next door, that sort of thing. And so, you know, you, you kind of meet friends that way as well. Yeah. Yeah. You said your parents are from originally from South Africa, right? Yeah. Okay. And so I couldn't really tell from like what I looked up about you. Like I wasn't stalking, just trying to get an idea. (laughs) No, no, it's okay. I researched my guests too. Yes. (laughs) Um, So I couldn't really tell like what your, your like ethnic background is, but I'm just wondering if that had anything to do with you like blending in or standing out in various places like I hear Netherlands and I just think of a very white place and so <laughs> and then I know I know in South Africa and other south well in uh, quite a few so- southern and eastern african countries there is a significant like south asian population but I don't know I guess I'm wondering where you fit in in the demographics of those places and if that had any effect on anything um, yeah, for, for sure it did. And I mean, you know, my, my family, like a lot of families, they, you know, they left South Africa during the years of apartheid and mm-hmm. because of that. Um, and so, you know, that was definitely sort of always the background, I think, when I, when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, th- things in South Africa didn't change, you know, fully until 1994, you know, when, when they held elections, when Nelson Mandela became president and, right. and all those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that, that apartheid background was always kind of in, in the background of, of my childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was always kind of, you know, we visited infrequently, partly because of that, although I did have a lot of extended family there. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it definitely kind of gave me a consciousness of, of those kind of things early of, you know, what systematic systems of, of oppression and discrimination look like yeah. and, you know, how they manifest, especially when it's kind of in a, in a very overt system. You know, it's all kind of laid out. You go you go there and you see the signs and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, interestingly, that is one of the things that it, it's definitely, I, I would say, you know, that has been a factor in in my life growing up. I think it probably is for everybody in the sense that I don't think I've ever lived in a place where I am in an ethnic majority. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> that's Same. an interesting experience. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I've very rarely visited countries, um, you know, where I can kind of blend in, I can pass. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think, you know, on the positive side, maybe that kind of, gave me a certain comfort with traveling earlier and, um, you know, even living in different parts of Canada, because, you, you know, I knew that I was never going to look like everybody else. Mm. And I was almost always going to be one of or almost the only one, you know, who looked like me. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it's, um, if you don't have that, it can feel very, very uncomfortable going to different places where you're all of a sudden put in that situation. Right. Um, but I, I really grew up with that. And so on the plus side, I would say it, it gave me comfort with that. On, on the challenging side, um, that was definitely one of the factors, I think, when my family moved back to Toronto, which Toronto is probably, you know, Canada's largest and most multicultural, multi-ethnic, multi-racial city. Hmm. Um, you know, at the time that, that we came back, not all of it was. And the neighborhood that 
you know, we moved back to was, um, you know, the schools were really good, but it was very ethnically homogenous. Mm. And so, you know, that was sort of a thing where, you know, not only did I stand out because, you know, I didn't have the same, uh, you know, experience as all the kids, the other kids living there to date, but I also didn't look like them. And it was very hard for them to kind of, I think, accept me as a fellow Canadian. Mm. And in some parts of Canada, I think that is still happening, that idea that, um, you know, we are a multicultural country, you know, people from all over the world whose roots, you know, go everywhere. Mm-hmm. But in some places, I think that process of adaptation and acceptance of that idea, that's still happening. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad that you mentioned that because I think here in the States, I think we have this idea of Canada as kind of like a, a utopia almost because, well, for me, like I'm, you know, I'm a black person. And so we always have that, that, that history of people fleeing to Canada to free slavery. You know, Canada in our minds is like a freer place, a place with nicer people. I think it's assumed because we know more intimately like American history here. It's, it's easier to assume that there's like no racism or no like, um, there aren't any as many like issues when it comes to being racially or ethnically different, being a minority, because Canada is just so great. It's so nice. Everything <laughs> is equal. And that's, that's just kind of the easy way that a lot of us think, because just Canada just seems better in a lot of ways. So I'm glad that you mentioned that it wasn't always, you know, such a smooth thing. Like, there's still, you know, even in, in Toronto, there's still things like that that you had um, to deal with. I just think that's very, very helpful because I think it's it's too easy. Although I do, I have had positive interactions, only positive associations with Canada so far. Well, that's that's I, really good. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that you mentioned that because it just adds nuance, you know. Um, <laughs> so. Yeah, and, and you know, I think we all wish it was a utopia, and it's it's certainly I think changed a lot from mm-hmm. when I was growing up and when I was a kid. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think maybe it's one of the things that I think about Canada, maybe compared to, you know, my experiences in the US or certainly, you know, growing up with that South African background is mm-hmm. that, you know, what happens here, it sometimes manifests in a much more subtle way. And there's, mm-hmm. I would say, you know, a lot of things that happen maybe take place as a result of unconscious bias sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that that's often, you know, where, where a lot of things come from. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you know, things have changed. Things are, are progressing. I think it's a really good thing. You know, like everywhere, you know, we, we've got some some work to do, too. Of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, it, you, and you also mentioned, um, so you were in Toronto after you moved around with your parents as a kid. You were in Toronto and then you kind of stayed there up until... Was yeah, it pretty high school or college is you kind of stayed put for a while. I, I did. Yeah. And and I think that was kind of a good thing for me right until, you know, I, I graduated and I, I went off to university, partly because it kind of gave me a bit of stability. And mm-hmm. again, that's kind of the age when, you know, your friends do start to become a lot more important, kind of, you know, establishing your own life and becoming more independent and stuff. But again, as I was kind of getting to that stage as well, I did want to see other things. And right. so I think one of the first kind of study abroads that I did kind of in that later stage was um, there was an ad at my local high school for uh, a biology course in the Bahamas. And oh, wow. Okay. It, it, sounds, it sounds like a resort trip. <laughs> <It> was, <laughs> and I think my parents were pretty 
pretty suspicious of that at the start. They're like, are you actually going to do any work there? And yeah, we're going to, we're going to do work. They had to even check out the program and, 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 you know, go and listen to, to, to the guy who hosted it and stuff. But it was actually mm-hmm. a way to do a high school biology credit. Nice. Um, okay. And yeah. And, and partly because I knew I was going on to major in science, it was a really good opportunity to do that. Hmm. And so, you know, I worked hard, scraped together my pennies, had a part-time job, all that sort of thing. And um, then I went with a group of kids who were from all over, you know, different parts of Canada. We were all getting that same biology credit. And we were at uh, a field station that actually I think is run by a Florida university officially. Okay. Um, and it kind of gave us a chance to do a lot of like hands-on field research, um, which, you know, was a fantastic introduction for, you know, kids that are going to be studying science. You kind of go and get to do that in the field outside of a lab and outside of a classroom. Mm-hmm. And I think it was also a really good experience um, in the sense that you kind of learn that field work, it looks really fun, but <laughs> you're going to be spending a lot of hours, you know, in the sun. It's hot. Um, you know, it's hard work. There's lots of mosquitoes, you know, all the minor sort of discomforts, but it's, right. it's good to learn that early as well. Mm-hmm. And it kind of helped me as well. I think, um, you know, one of the things that I think like at that age, I felt, I don't know if any of your other guests have, have commented on that, but at that age, you're graduating from school and you're sort of, or you feel like you're expected to know what you should study and what you should be doing uh, with the rest of your life. Yeah. And yeah. And, and I didn't, I just knew that I was going on to science, but I think a lot of times, um, you know, especially, especially in my experience, like I've had to sort of just try things out, you know, almost like a small experiment to say, mm-hmm. okay, do I want to go further in this or do I want to take a different route? Do I want to try something else? Yeah. Um, and so that experience kind of helped give me, you know, that, that, uh, knowledge to know, I, you know, this is really interesting, but this is not an area I want to major in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Next up. <laughs> no, I mean, that's good. I mean, that's, um, I'm glad that you at least had that, that approach of, okay, let me try this and see, as opposed to, well, this is what I've decided and this is what I have to go with for the rest of my life. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, it's it's a tricky thing. Because yeah. I, I think, you know, at the end of that experience, I, I, you know, you don't always know, what, you know, how that expression uh, says, you know, when one door closes, another one opens. Mm-hmm. And I think at that stage, I knew, okay, I don't want to major in this, but I didn't yeah. have the experience to know yet, okay, what do I want to do? Right, right. And then you've got to do some more trying it out. Yeah, yeah. Was this like marine biology or something that you were studying down there? It was. I mean, the classroom okay. component was kind of like regular biology, like whatever the curriculum was, the official, um, you know, provincial curriculum. Mm-hmm. But the fieldwork aspect of it, I think we spent, you know, our mornings in a classroom and our afternoons sort of, um, you know, on a reef kind of snorkeling somewhere, collecting field data and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was it was definitely marine biology from, from that point of view. Okay. And this, how long was this? This was um, about three weeks. Three weeks. Okay. Yeah. Before you were traveling with your parents, right? Was this your first time going somewhere without your parents outside of Canada? Yeah, I mean, I think I'd, I'd done other trips uh, without my parents with, say, you know, grandparents or, or family sort of thing. Okay. But yeah, this was kind of the first trip, you know, as, you know, my late teens with like, you know, my peers. Right. And and so that's an experience as well. Like, you know, you, you discover a lot of things that way. And, you know, you guys end up getting yourselves into lots of trouble and all <laughs> of things like that, right? Which is sort of part of the learning experience, part of the fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
I mean, what kind of trouble were y'all getting into? Just because I'm curious. <laughs> I, I think at that stage, we, we, we got a lot of warnings about uh, underage drinking. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. okay. Because the, the, the age and kind of, you know, nobody was going to question if somebody was going to order a drink or go into a bar, mm-hmm. but we weren't old enough to be doing that back home yet. So, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Okay. I mean, that's, I mean, I guess that's to be expected at that age. Um, especially when you're so close, you're so close to being legal. You're just not legal yet. So, I yeah, mean, that's exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope none of my relatives are listening to this. <laughs> I mean, it's in the past now. I'm sure it's fine. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's true. So, that was when you were in high school. Was that the only time that you went, like, somewhere else while you were in high school or um yeah yeah they had um they did have other exchanges to places like quebec Mm -hmm. um which you know is not out of the country but it is to you know a predominantly french-speaking province so Mm -hmm. yeah again a whole different experience Mm -hmm. um and i spent a bit more time there you know working later on but uh not not while i was in high school okay um just a question that i'm curious about since you mentioned quebec you mentioned having to catch up on like french classes when you first moved back to toronto like french and english are the two official languages of canada right um Mm -hmm. but the average canadian is not necessarily bilingual right isn't it mostly um well i know quebec because i've been to quebec it's a french-speaking province but for the rest of canada it is do people tend to be bilingual or is it just kind of something you do for school and then you either let it fall by the wayside or you keep going with it if you decide to? Um, yeah, that that's an interesting one because I, I think it really varies by province and, and by city as well. Okay. Um, I think, you know, a lot of people in Quebec, especially in places like Montreal, tend to be quite bilingual because mm-hmm. there's, there's you know, always been kind of a large English-speaking population in Montreal, but also because it's very practical, you know, if people want to do business with other parts of the world or study, you know, it's it's more likely that you find people who are francophone who are also bilingual in English. Mm. Um, and the province of New Brunswick is officially bilingual as well. Um, now I'm living in, in Western Canada. And, you know, it's geographically much further, you know, on the other side of the country. Right. From, <laughs> Two opposite sides. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, there, there are cities where there are, um, you know, there's been like a, a large historical francophone community Mm -hmm. and so certain cities it's more common um or some people you know if they've moved across the country and they grew up speaking french um they might end up sending their kids to french immersion schools or that sort of thing but Mm -hmm. i know where i am now it's it's much less common that people grew up studying french or taking it um i know for me i did um despite having to learn to catch up i I enrolled in a a french program when i was in school and so Mm -hmm. by the time i graduated my french was pretty decent and and at some point I actually worked bilingually in in French and English um, in certain jobs that I had. But if you don't have those, um, you know, that need for it in your work, um, yeah, I mean, right now I probably haven't used French uh, on a regular basis in my job for about 10 years. So, yeah, it it really depends. Okay. I figured it was something like that. Um, Yeah. But because it's, um, like, here, having, like, two languages institutionalized in that way like in advertisements or on money or even in like the school system is not like a national thing here where that's Mm -hmm. um like encouraged so i just was wondering what it was like in canada since i know those two are the the big languages there how evenly that would be distributed 
Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It, it definitely isn't. And I think one of the things that's also become more interesting is, especially in the very large cities where there, you know, are large communities of people whose first languages are something other than English and French. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, you can, I think now in some of the bigger cities, there are, you know, Spanish speaking, you know, immersion schools or, or Mandarin Chinese immersion schools that, you know, mm. your kids may be able to go to. And I think right. that's, that's really interesting that, you know, now there's a big diversification of languages too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for um, informing me because I was something I've always been curious about when it comes to languages in Canada. So thank you for that. (laughs) (laughs) No, thanks. I I actually wish that, you know, we were a little more evenly bilingual just because I I always think it's an advantage for people to be able to speak more than one language Mm -hmm. and, you know, to have access to other cultures through that language. I think it sort of becomes a practical thing as to whether people end up using it in their daily life or their work. Right. Based on their needs or their interests, that type of thing. Exactly. Okay. All right. Um, So then like in, in university, did you stay in Toronto when you went to university? No, I, okay. I didn't. That that was part of the, you know, I, I want to see other things. Right, right. Okay. <laughs> so so I went to a university that's actually been not that far, but an hour outside of Toronto. Okay. And you, I think you mentioned something about doing some sort of study abroad experience during that time as well. Um, I did in my, I, I didn't do it sort of um, during the first couple of years, but during my last summer, um, I managed to uh, get a, a work study abroad um, program in Finland. And, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, it was um, it was something that I think that the Finnish government put together. They wanted to, you know, encourage, um, you know, students from other countries to kind of come and, and do you know, work study programs there. So mm-hmm. I was really lucky. I got one uh, through the University of Helsinki and I was at a, a research station. This was an interesting experience too, in this very small town, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, in, in the woods kind of thing at a research station. And so it was kind of really in line with my program. And um, I think that was really great as well, because there were also other students, um, local students. I think I was the only one who was from overseas that year. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had a lot of neighbors who were grad students who were working there and doing their field research over the summer. And so, again, that kind of really, you know, they were they were really kind to sort of introduce me to local culture and show me how to, you know, the proper pr- process of going to the sauna and lighting the fire the right way and heating it up to the right temperature and all those mm-hmm. sorts of things and kind of get to experience more of the, the local culture. Okay. Interesting. There's like a process for going to the sauna? Um, I've never uh, been, so I don't know. <laughs> um, I, I think, you know, it's a it's a way bigger thing than it is, obviously, in, in most other places. It's really uh-huh. common for people to have them in their homes, even in oh. sort of apartments. Okay. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, there's definitely way more of a culture around it. You know, sometimes it involves, um, you know, going and having a drink after <laughs> and, you know, eating sausages and things like that and mm. jumping in very cold lakes after you've been in a really, really hot room for a while, <laughs> that sort of thing. Wow. Um, yeah. And, and of course, I think the thing that maybe startles people um, from some other parts of the world a bit is that, um, you know, nobody is actually wearing anything in those saunas. It, you know, you don't go in wearing, wearing a bathing suit. Oh, so, okay. I did not know that. <laughs> they are single sex. Um, 
<laughs> but um, although I've heard they can be mixed as well, but it was, okay. you know, I was there with, with other women. Um, and then the guys had a different session later on. But yeah, I mean, that that definitely, you know, it's we don't have that here. So it takes it takes a little to, to get used to. <laughs> yeah. Is that like a like a daily or a weekly thing that people do in Finland? Um, I, I don't know how often everybody does it. Um, you know, it, I think it depends where, where I was, you know, at this field station, it was a, a weekly thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Interesting. Okay. I, <laughs> this is completely new to me again, because I don't, I've never been to a sauna or anything. So, um, okay. <laughs> and yeah, so, some of them were electric. And the one uh, where I was, it was kind of an old school one where it had to be heated with actual logs. Oh, and okay. so, um, yeah, my, my fellow students sort of took me under their wing and they showed me how to do it. And, you know, they would do it for the first few weeks. And then, you know, by the time I was ready to leave, they mm-hmm. figured that by this time they trained me enough that I could be left alone to start it and Mm -hmm. get it to the right temperature by the time we were all ready to go in. Yeah. So that was kind of like the test at the end of the summer. Yeah. Okay. You said you you were the only person who wasn't finished who was there? Yeah. Yeah. I think in in previous years they'd had other international students. I think it happened the year that I was there. Um, yeah, I was I was the only one. So that was really an immersion experience too, because yeah. you know all of the grad students and the researchers, um, you know, a lot of their material that they would that they would be researching or conferences and so on would be in English. So they all spoke English, which mm. was very uh, <laughs> useful and generous for me. But <laughs> because I was also the only non-Finnish person there. Um, you know, I got immersed in the language a lot faster than I might have um, if there were more international students studying there as well. Yeah. Okay. And um, I know you said you were like science oriented. That's what you pursued. But just so just so I can get a picture, what was your like, what was your specialization? Oh, um, yeah. Um, I, I studied uh, environmental science. Oh, okay. Okay. So and- the, the work you were doing in, in Finland was in line with that? It was. Okay. It was. And I, I felt really lucky to be able to do that, actually. Yeah. And, and for me, it was, it was again, another of those experiences where you kind of get that hands-on thing to say, okay, you know, am I enjoying this? Is this what I want to continuing? Or, you know, do I want to do something else? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, did you feel like the, the type of work that you were doing in that research station in, in Finland, was that closer to what you felt like you wanted to do? I think it was. I think it was um, because this field research station was sort of in a forest and lakes. A lot of the research revolved around um, sort of, you know, taking water samples, you know, looking at animal populations around there, everything from insects to, you know, the water chemistry of the rain, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew that I, you know, was interesting to me, but I was also more interested in sort of the policy side of it. Mm, and okay. and in fact, yeah, a lot of the students that I worked with there, although, you know, they trained in, in this sort of pure science aspect of it, a lot of them went on to work for, you know, consulting companies or government or something like that, where they're also dealing with other aspects than just the pure science. Mm-hmm. And when, when I went on to do grad school, that was kind of the direction that I went as well. Yeah. Um, I debated a long time whether I should do an, a science degree for, for a master's or whether I should do something else. And I actually ended up doing um, a first master's in international trade and, wow. and international development. Um, I think maybe, again, because of you know, that international exposure that I had kind of early on. But a lot of the application to that was in sort of um, things that touched on on science. And mm. I think that's kind of how a lot of my career has been. It's kind of straddled like a few different areas that way. Right. Okay. 
Yeah. You said a first master's. Do you have multiple master's degrees? <laughs> I did. I did a first master's um, in, in that, um, yeah, international trade and uh, development. And then I did an MBA later on. Holy cow. Oh, my goodness. And that's it. Look that's it. No more. <laughs> wow. Good for you. That is impressive. <laughs> no, thanks. It's, it's a lot of time in school. I, th I think, um, you know, this comes up talking to the guests on my podcast mm -hmm. a lot is that, you know, these days, nobody is, is going to work for the same company for 30 years. You may right. not even work in the same field for, you know, a long time. And yeah. so, you know, learning is continuous now. It's just whether it happens in the form of a degree or whether it's kind of continuous learning through online or mm -hmm. through short courses or through something else, some other boot camps, whatever it is, mm -hmm. you know, I think we're all learning all the time. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But but you you said that's it. So is that like is that it for you? No more degrees. <laughs> well, you know, I, I think I said that between every single one. So. Okay. <laughs> never say never, but yeah. uh, but but for now. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, oh, I did have another question about Finland. You said you got immersed a lot in the the language, even though you a lot of the material like the documents and, and things you're working with were in English. I'm wondering, you know, how how that was for you being immersed in, in the language and culture in that way. Like, did you pick up a lot of Finnish or did you or did you just become really adept at like maneuvering your daily life in this in this environment? <laughs> how how was that for you? I, I think I picked up at the time the basics. Okay. Um, and I picked up the basics of, you know, what I needed to know to get around and, you know, communicate with people on public transit or the local village to kind of buy stuff, things like that. Mm -hmm. um, there was a point when, um, you know, my salary that I was being paid, it was de being deposited to a local bank. Mm -hmm. And um, when I went to, to go and deal with the local bank and kind of, you know, do things with the money, I had a friend come with me to translate because, you know, there was nobody at the local bank in this very small town that spoke English. Right. Um, fortunately, my friend was bilingual. Uh, and I really needed help to do that because that was way beyond my level then. Mm -hmm. I, I did actually end up and Finnish is interesting because it's not kind of an Indo-European language. Okay. Um, it's an, um, uh, sorry, I've forgotten the, the term for it, but uh, it has in, in sort of uh, roots in common with Hungarian and Turkish. Well, I think it's okay. a Finno-Ugric language. Okay, that, okay. That's what it's called. Okay. Um, and so the language structure is, is a bit, it was quite different than any other language that I'd learned. Mm. Um, and so that was, you know, it's, it's trickier that way because it's not like you can take sort of roots of things that you've learned in other languages and kind of go, oh, it's like this. I know that. I've seen that <laughs> in a different language, right? Like, yeah. I'm, I'm sure you've encountered that. Yes, yes. Um, so it's more complicated. But I, I really did enjoy it. And I actually ended Ended up when I went back to Toronto uh, a few years later. The University of Toronto had continuing education courses, um, and uh, I took a couple of those in Finnish. And so my Finnish actually got a lot better after I left. Mm. Um, and that that was kind of interesting as well because um, I didn't think there would be that much demand for it, but there were a lot of um, there are a lot of people in Canada who are descended from Finland, mm, and so okay. it was kind of like a lot of uh, my fellow students were kids whose grandparents had uh, immigrated from Finland way back. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they'd maybe inherited like a little bit of the language from their parents and grandparents living here, but yeah. they wanted to know more. And so it was an interesting mix of, of people in those classes and the continuing ed programs. Yeah, I bet. I bet. Okay. Yeah, because I, I, don't, I don't have any sort of interaction with like the Finnish language at all. So I'm, it's really interesting hearing how you kind of 
were able to engage with it. I'm sorry, you were about to say something. And I oh, no, I, I was about to say, yeah, it is a really interesting language, I think, also because it's very, it has a certain rhythm and a music to it. It's very distinctive. Mm. Okay. I, I had a question, though. Okay, so how long were you doing this, this work-study program? That was, that was a summer. That was um, a summer, but the money you made was deposited in a Finnish bank? Um, yeah, I think that's, okay. I, I, I don't, I think I may have just had to withdraw it and kind of take it with me or, you know, do a formal bank transfer when, when I went home. Okay. Okay. Cause I, I just would, um, I guess I would assume that if you're not going to be there for a super long time, that they might not have allowed you to open a bank account. So I was surprised to hear that you, everything that you went through a finished bank during that time. I think they had a special setup, if I remember, um, and I had this again when I did grad school in England, they mm -hmm. had a special setup for like a student type of account. Okay. And it was, I guess they were maybe used to this and they were, they were very good and kind of having anticipated this set up a, a sort of temporary account for students who were there from overseas. Okay. That makes sense. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. And so it was definitely restricted. Like I couldn't have applied for a credit card or something like that, <laughs> but you know, to deposit money, that was fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And what, where were you, um, were you like in a dorm with other students when you were doing this work study program? I, I was, there was, um, because it was a field research station, a lot of people were there for the entire summer doing projects. Mm. Um, and so there were kind of on campus dorms. And so I was, I was in a dorm with uh, a lot of other Finnish students. Okay. So you were around other people who were similar age, similar field of interest. It was just that you were like the only Canadian person there. Food. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Gotcha. I was the only Canadian and, you know, as usual, I was the only person of color for miles around. <laughs> <laughs> Story of my life. So <laughs> not, not out of choice, but it just, you know, that's yeah. the way it worked out. Yeah. Sadly, <laughs> but, that's something yeah. you get have to get used to. Well, I mean, a lot of people have to get used to depending on, you know, their life trajectory. So uh, I feel you. I feel you being the only one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, they were fantastic. They were lovely people. And a lot of them are kind of friends to this day. So it, it mm -hmm. is one of the big things that I really appreciate about having had that experience. That's good. That's good. <laughs> um, and then you you went on to grad school in England. Was that again, just because you wanted to experience another place? Or was it because of the cost? I don't Well, again, that's another thing, because I'm so used to the American system. Here, university is like ridiculously expensive at pretty much any level. Um, I don't know if it's not so in Canada and maybe that was a motivation for you going to Europe or, you know. Yeah. University here, um, it's definitely less expensive than in the U.S. Mm -hmm. um, it has definitely gotten more expensive, you know, since I did my undergrad. Mm -hmm. So, you know, definitely people are taking out student loans and things. But, you know, from, from what I hear um, of people doing that in the U.S., I don't think it's necessarily on the same scale. I'm, right. I'm actually kind of surprised that more American students don't apply to university in Canada, although yeah. international student fees would be a lot higher. Okay. Um, but I think we've been quite fortunate, at least until now, um, in, in doing that. Okay. And so, yeah, that, that made a lot of things easier at the time. Okay. So then what was your motivation for, for going to grad school in England? Um, Partly the kind of program that I was interested in doing didn't really exist here. Okay. Um, and also I, I did want more 
you know, international exposure. I mean, at that point, um, I should say, like, between my undergrad and, and that first master's, I was working overseas for a while. Mm. And um, so it was kind of a, you know, continuation of, of that, really. Okay. Where were you working overseas? Um, so I worked in uh, China for a little while. I worked for an American company there. Okay. Um, also kind of in, in that environmental consulting area. Okay. Um, and I also, um, because things had, had changed by this time, I had an opportunity to work in South Africa. Mm, um, okay. And yeah, that, that was a really interesting experience as well. So, yeah, yeah, especially with your, your family history and your connection in that way. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, um, you know, it's, it's always, sometimes that's more complicated and sometimes it's an advantage. I think it was an advantage for me in the sense that at that point I could apply for paperwork. And, uh, you know, my parents didn't have citizenship or passports during those apartheid years. They'd given them up. They're Canadian citizens. But, okay. they, you know, they had gotten the back at some point. They themselves were, were working there for a while. Um, and, you know, because of them, I was able to apply for that. And that made it, made it possible for me to work there relatively easily in terms of visas and that sort of thing. Okay. Um, but I, you know, again, I think a a lot of people find this whose, you know, parents are, you know, they grew up in one country, their parents were originally from somewhere else, that, you know, you're kind of like an insider, but also kind of like an outsider. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so, you know, you kind of have that process where certain things, um, a friend of mine, actually, I remember talking to her about this in England, and her she had grown up similarly to me and that she was originally from Toronto, but her family was from Jamaica. Mm. And I remember her saying to me that, she, you know, she did also some sort of um, work study abroad program in Jamaica. And she said, you know, in Canada growing up, I always felt Jamaican, but I have never felt more Canadian than when I was in Jamaica. <laughs> and, you know, going to South Africa and working there, I know exactly what she meant. Right, right. <laughs> you, you're kind of, um, kind of in between, you know, it's not like you're a complete foreigner or someone who's completely like new to this place, but it's not like you grew up there, you know, it's still different. Exactly. Mm -hmm. It's 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 exactly like that. Yeah, yeah. That's um, funny. Yeah. <laughs> but but one of the interesting things is like working there. It did give me a chance to go back to Zimbabwe, where I hadn't you know been since since I was a kid, and we left. Mm -hmm. um, and it gave me a chance to kind of visit there and and see you know things look so different with adult eyes. Mm -hmm. um, and it gave me a chance to kind of like visit and and tour around the country a little bit, and that was that was really great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I bet. I mean, how, I mean, how did it look or feel different compared to when you were a kid? Like how you remembered it? Um, it was much smaller. Okay. And <laughs> <laughs> um, the distances were much smaller. I always felt like, you know, you'd, you'd be driving somewhere and it would be hours and hours. Mm -hmm. So that's definitely something that you, you notice. Um, the, the, you know, the capital has lots of stuff. It's, you know, there's, you know, anything you could want stores and all that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. I think at the time that we lived there, there was a lot less. So you kind of notice like how the cities have developed and all of that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that kind of happened that was sort of funny that, you know, I hadn't spoken a word of Shauna in many years since we left. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, some, some little kids, you know, got a ride with, with us in the car. I was traveling with, with a friend um, and with, with their mom. And as they got out of the car, they said, thank you. And Shauna, and all of a sudden kind of like, by reflex, the word for your welcome kind of came out of my mouth. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I was sort of like, where did that come from? I don't think I even remembered <laughs> that. Wow. Um, so after yeah. it had been so long, it came back to you. 
I think, yeah, some things maybe when you learn them that young, they stay mm-hmm. embedded in the back of your mind and, mm-hmm. and it just takes something to bring them out. <laughs> wow. Isn't that amazing how language can, can just like implant in your mind like that? And then even if you don't use it for a long time, it can just come up in, in situations like that. It's it's really useful. I wish yeah. I could do that more easily with the languages I learned when I was an adult. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but it sounds like you've had to learn a lot of different languages in your life. So, I mean, I'm just saying I would cut you some slack, especially because of all the languages <laughs> you've had to, like, to to find your way in throughout your life so far. <laughs> I, I wish I could say that I was fluent in in a lot of them, but I'm yeah. not, unfortunately. Yeah. French is, is probably the closest, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what about in China, like... Um, Oh, you said it was for, um, shoot, you said an American company in China? Yeah, okay. yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Um, so they were doing some consulting projects there. Yeah. So then, so your work environment was in English, and then outside of that, you kind of just, you know, made do with oh, the day-to-day? Absolutely. Okay. Um, yeah, and at some point, I actually, um, I think the time and, and the place that I was at the time, um, there weren't a lot of people around who, who did speak English. And so I did at some point kind of enroll myself in a crash, cor- uh, crash course. I sort of gate crashed a course that was actually intended for international students. Mm, and okay. they were really <laughs> lucky, both from the employer side, I was lucky that they let me go to this. And I was lucky from uh, the classroom side that they let me into this program. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so that was really like a crash course in Mandarin Chinese. Um, I found, you know, obviously the writing, if you don't grow up with it, it's mm-hmm. quite tricky. And even kind of the reading, because you, you need to know like hundreds, thousands of characters to be kind of fluent in reading a newspaper, let alone at an academic level. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think by the time I left, I had at least gotten to a stage where verbally and even with, with reading, I could kind of know the basics. I could read a billboard. I could, you know, understand what was going on. I could go to a store. And it was sort of like a miracle because, <laughs> you know, when I got there and again, Chinese, um, Mandarin Chinese, it's a tonal language. And mm-hmm. I've never learned a tonal language before, which means that certain words, you know, you, you may know this, like you can say them um, a certain sound, but if you say it with a different tone, it has a completely different Mean meaning. something else, yeah. Yeah. And and so it is, uh, I found it quite tricky to learn that. And it was kind of like a miracle for me when I would actually be able to go to a store and get the pair of shoes that I wanted instead of like a bottle of milk. <laughs> 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 or, or people running away because, you know, oh, gosh, there's a foreigner here. We don't know how to deal with them and they can't speak to us. What do we do? So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, um, that's important. I, <laughs> I had forgotten until you just mentioned it that um, how you it's not just knowing like the words, but knowing how to say it. And then that can change everything. Yeah, I forgot exactly. about that until you just explained <laughs> it to me. And I was like, Oh, yeah, you know, um, were you okay? And just so just so uh, again, just so I have a clear picture where in China were you? Well, that that is kind of interesting because I was actually in Wuhan, which is right now the center oh, of the, the virus. coronavirus yes. outbreak. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah. you know, I've been picturing a lot of those things. Yeah. Wow. That's what a coincidence, you know. <laughs> it is. It is. 
it was a really interesting city. And I am sure, um, you know, like a lot of cities in China, I think at the time it was kind of a mid-sized city, but, you mm-hmm. know, Chinese city sizes are maybe Millions. quite large relative to, right? <laughs> yeah, a lot of other places. Um, and uh, yeah, it's on a river. There are parts of it that were really beautiful and parts of it that are, you know, permanently under construction. And I'm sure like a lot of cities in China, there are a lot of parts of it that I wouldn't even recognize a few years later because right. there's, you know, so much continuous construction. But so yeah. much change in a short period of time. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So in China, you're in Wuhan. And then in South Africa, where were you when you were working there? Um, I was in Johannesburg there and okay. I worked in Pretoria. So I kind of commuted between the two. Gotcha. Okay. And then in, in England, where were you when you were going to grad school in England? I think I was really fortunate that I was in London. Um, okay. And I think London was a great place maybe for somebody like me because it's also one of those cities where there is, you know, everybody from around the world kind of thing. Yeah. And a lot of uh, friends of mine that I made there, you know, they're, even if they grew up there, they often, some of them had roots in England, but some of them had roots in other places. Right. And so it's a, it's a, it was a really good um, kind of city, I think, to ha- that has, you know, really cosmopolitan feel to it. Mm, okay. And this was, this was after you, so this was for your second graduate degree, your MBA? The, the first one, actually. Oh, this is the first one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was there for um, just over a year, and it was it was a great experience. Although I, I will say, you know, it was, um, you know, it, for students that are considering studying abroad, it was a different experience than how I thought it might be. The, mm. um, I mean, the language is the same, all of that stuff. So, right. I mean, in that sense, it wasn't as much of a transition as, say, working, doing work study abroad in Finland or working in China. Um, but the university system, in some ways, is quite different than what you would see at the grad level in Canada and mm. maybe in the U.S. as well. And so, you know, it, it took a little while to kind of get used to that and kind of get to understand how the system worked. Yeah. Why did you feel like you had to adjust to it? Like what was so different about the system? Um, a lot of things. And some of it may depend on the universities as well. I mean, I think a lot of the universities are maybe smaller. Okay. Um, and so, you know, physically, the university was different. It was, you know, some really, really old buildings that had been a learning institution at some point, but they'd been converted into a university. Mm. And some of it didn't quite fit. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, the, um, like the dorms that I lived in, I think I was kind of expecting from previous experiences in a lot of places, including, you know, when I was in Finland, that the dorms are kind of structured in a way where it's intended for students to meet and get together um, Mm -hmm. and kind of promote a sense of a bit of community. There's usually communal spaces, that sort of thing. In that university, the way the dorms were set up, there were kind of like suites with five or six people in them, but there was no common space. And there was no common space between the suites. And there weren't really events that connected them. So if you wanted to meet other people, you really had to get out there and do that on your own. Mm, Okay. So that was kind of a different experience. Also, um, the, the the number of people in the program was really small. I think there was only eight of us, um, which, you know, I wasn't necessarily expecting either. <laughs> mm. And uh, some of them, were, a few of us were international. I think about half were, were local. So it was kind of a good mix that way. Um, but it, it does mean that, you know, if there's, you're, you're hoping for kind of like a diversity of voices and thought and so on, you know, you, you're getting it from eight people, not maybe 30, 50, 60 people kind mm-hmm. of thing. Or, yeah. or something even smaller than that. So th- those were some of the differences. The grading system is a little different. It's it's kind of rare that um, some people get above a 70. Like a 70 is considered, you know, wow, this is really great work. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, our scale here is more, you know, zero to 100. Yeah. 
And, you know, an, an A is probably, you know, anything 80 plus or so. Yeah. Um, but, but that works differently there as well. Okay. So it would be a zero to 100 scale, but 70 would kind of be the upper limit of what people would get? Yeah. I mean, okay. occasionally you did, you did see people get 70. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty rare. Whereas here, you know, if you looked at that and you see a 70, you'd be like, oh, wow. I don't know if I did really well on this. <laughs> 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 but there you'd okay. be pretty much jumping up and down. Yeah. <laughs> so. Okay. Right. Okay. So you went to school in Canada, or you went to university in Canada. You were working in, in China and South Africa and then got your first master's in in England. Um, were you ever going back to Canada during this time, <laughs> either to visit or just to stay, or was it a continuous thing from one country to another? Um, I, I was home off and on um, okay. just because it, you know, it really helped, I think, to have a home base and, yeah. you know, like a lot of my friends were there and that sort of thing. And I did actually go home to Toronto after that. I think at that point, I'd just been traveling for long enough that I felt like I kind of wanted be, to be home and, and have some roots again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that was what I did after after that. Gotcha. Okay. And you said you're only in England for, for a little over a year. So it was a one year, one year yes. master's program. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That Which seems, is also different than here. <laughs> yeah, that seems like yeah. it. It would be really uh, like intensive having to do everything in one year. Um, it, it was. I think you know some of the stuff continued over the summer in terms of, of writing up and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it is. It is different. And again, that might have also been one of the differences. University. I was expecting grad school to be super intense. That's sort of how it is here. Mm-hmm. Um, there, or at least at the university that I was at, you know, the intensive stuff comes earlier on. And then when you get into grad school, it's actually a little more relaxed. And, okay. and I had more time on my hands than I was expecting. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sort of. It was a little disconcerting, but yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> but it, it did give me time to kind of like, you know, explore the city a little bit and kind of make friends there and that sort of thing as well, which is also, you know, one of the benefits of it. Okay, so that's what you did during the free time is kind of explore and get to get to meet people, that type of thing. Yeah, yeah. And I I worked part time there as well, and so on. So I kind of got a little bit of a feel for how things worked. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, that always kind of helps, helps you understand a place a little more, you know, the more you're immersed in it. Mm -hmm. Definitely, definitely. And then after that, you went back to Canada. It seems like everything, every place you've lived in or or been to has had an impact on you. Is there any place that you feel like is really close to your heart um, or has been more impactful than perhaps other places that you've been to? Oh, wow. Um, yeah, it's it's hard to say. Um, I think maybe South Africa in some ways in the sense that, you know, it was kind of like coming full circle. Um, mm. You know, when oh, I w- right. went to work there, even though I was there temporarily, I didn't end up staying. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was it's the country that my grandparents left many, many years ago. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, that kind of really took things in a closing the loop sort of situation. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I I really kind of have fond memories of Finland as well. 
partly, I think just that the landscape looks very much like the part of Canada where I grew up. Yeah. Um, so, and in some ways, culturally, I think there are some commonalities in the sense that we have a similar climate. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I, <laughs> you kind of understand in some yeah. ways how each other lives because of that, even though yeah. the language and, and sort of the roots of the culture might be quite different. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think both, both of those places in a lot of different ways. And I think China just really had an impact on me because maybe in terms of like the cultural distance from what I was used to or what I grew up with, mm-hmm. it, you know, it was so different, um, but so interesting and so rich in, in every aspect, you know, the history, the culture, the food, all of those sorts of things like mm-hmm. that definitely made an impression. And, and I'd love to, you know, go back and, and spend a bit more time there. Yeah. Maybe wow. when, when a health emergency is done. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, once that is once that is passed and there's there's less to worry about, then you know. Um, yeah. Oh, go go ahead. <laughs> oh no, no! It sounded like you were about to say something. <laughs> no, 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 no! I was just gonna say I I feel like I've been really really fortunate in in a lot of different ways. You mm-hmm. know, it's it's not you know opportunities that 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 everybody gets, and I, I feel lucky that I had them and that I was able to take them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely, you know, it's not always easy. I think a lot of people who've, who've lived in different places or moved a lot. I mean, even since I've been back in Canada, um, you know, I've moved quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's not, it's not always easy in the sense that you kind of leave a part of yourself everywhere that you've been that you were mm-hmm. really connected to. Yeah. And so it's always kind of a process of integrating. And that's not always easy as well when you go somewhere and you have to learn a new language, learn a new culture, meet new people, figure out how things work, how to get around. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be exhilarating, but it can be tough. I'm sure you've been through it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's always kind of hard when you leave as well, especially if it was somewhere that you really enjoyed. Yeah. Yeah. I know you said you ended up, you came back to Canada because you wanted to feel kind of um, rooted again. I'm wondering if, if you ever, because you have had this, this, um, this past where you've gotten used to going to all these different places, do you get kind of like almost like itchy feet in terms <laughs> of feeling like, oh, I need to get going somewhere else? Or are you kind of, um, are you, are oh, you kind sure. of content with, with where you are now? staying in Canada currently. I I think I I've been home long enough even though I moved to the other side of the country which mm-hmm. was, you know, also a bit of a transition, different cultural experience. Yeah. Um I've been home long enough that I would be happy to spend some time overseas. Um, <laughs> you know, at this point I I've gotten married since then and uh, so, you know, it's it's not only my career to consider and my job and so on, it's my husband's as well. Mm-hmm. So, um you know, we'd have to find something that might work for both of us. Um <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> but yeah, I would love to just because I think I have probably learned more um, working and living and studying overseas than I have anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I've also kind of come to realize I, I didn't know this until, like, again, I got introduced to that TCK third culture kid concept mm-hmm. that that's kind of seems to be one of the legacies of having had that kind of childhood. A lot of us, when you're adults, feel like you always need to be somewhere else and it doesn't really <laughs> feel normal to be in one place for, for a long time. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, we, a lot of people kind of talk about this, about how you need to, you, you sometimes find ways to scratch those itchy feet in different ways mm-hmm. um, and kind of like, you know, find that um, something to indulge that urge to explore and see new places and new things in, in different ways. Mm-hmm. So that that's what I work on now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And um, you, I think you mentioned your podcast, Cross Pollination. Can, can you 
tell me a bit about like how you ended up uh, starting cross pollination and what what you're trying to do with it. First, wait, no. First of all, is it just a coincidence that you go by NB and you have this environmental science background and your show is called cross pollination because i feel like that all fits together really well i i guess it did i don't think i thought of that until you mentioned it <laughs> but um yeah the logo has kind of a flower with a bee in it which mm-hmm. just seemed to sort of symbolize cross pollination yeah um and my initials are nb so it's mm-hmm. kind of an irresistible combination that way <laughs> yeah um yeah, but the, the podcast is about creativity and, and innovation, and mm-hmm. it, it's more business-oriented podcast. Um, for the last few years, and even kind of through my earlier career, I realized a lot of what I've been working on is working with companies that were um, doing new things, where they were, you know, often kind of the seed of the something that they knew that they were doing was someone was transplanting something from one field to another field, mm-hmm. or they, you know, the inspiration for what they came up with came from a completely different part of their life or a different part of their studies or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of feel like, you know, that's that's sort of something that I've been doing in small ways throughout my life, maybe because, you know, it's it's had so many different components in different yeah. places. And so that was kind of the inspiration with the, for the podcast. And I think uh, I've been really fortunate to talk to a lot of different people on it who are doing really, really cool and interesting things. Um, some of them are, they've started new businesses. Um, there, there was a woman who, she's also Canadian, she works in the States. So, um, and she kind of, she studied psychology. She also did her MBA and, and she had a background in outdoor sports and recreation and so on. And she kind of developed an outdoor co-working space concept out of that. Mm. Um, and the idea was kind of about, you know, how the outdoors can contribute to people's mental wellness. Mm, um, yeah. and yeah, so, you know, really kind of people coming up with ideas where they're doing something new that's different from everybody else. Um, the one that's maybe a little similar to the themes that we've talked about today is, is, um, at the beginning of the year, I interviewed a guy called, uh, Mario Rigby, who is a Canadian explorer. Originally he's, uh, from Turks and Caicos. Mm. And so he's, yeah, he's, uh, he's an, I think he's called, uh, an MEC diversity adventure explorer. MEC is kind of the Canadian equivalent to REI. Mm. And, um, he walked up the length of Africa over two and a half years. Um, and then oh this year he, he biked across Canada and that sort of thing. And so he's, he's a cultural cross pollinator. He's, you know, he also grew up similarly in, in a lot of different countries. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you mentioned people tend to think that of Canada as kind of an English and French <laughs> kind of <Yeah>. background country. <laughs> um, you know, he, he really kind of uh, defies that, that image, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, I've tried to feature a lot of people who are doing things like that on this show who are doing things differently. And, you know, they themselves are a little bit out of the box. From mm-hmm. from the conventional mainstream, but yeah, yeah, um, that's what it's about. <laughs> nice, nice. And are you? Is this something where like are you? Do you have a team? Are you doing most of it yourself and putting the show together? I know. I think I saw you're part of a network, right? That's right. Yeah, okay. I, I do. I do most of the sort of, um, you know, hosting and production on, on my own. I okay. am part of a regional network. And so I don't know how many uh, podcasts there are on that network, but they're in all different kind of subject areas. Some mm. of them are entertainment, sports, all kinds of different things. Really great stuff. And that helps enormously. They've been really supportive with distribution and sponsors and so on. So yeah, yeah I feel like I've been really fortunate in that as well. Okay. Wow. <laughs> 
it does tend to cover a lot of topics. And I also try to interview people in different regions and different countries also to kind of make that point that, you know, creativity and innovation, it doesn't just happen in business. It's everywhere in mm-hmm. every part of the world. Humans are creative and they're coming up with new things. Yeah. So, yeah, that's definitely one of the things that I wanted to bring out in this show. Yeah. I want to dig more into it um, than than I had time to up until now. But I definitely want to listen more to what you've already put out there because uh, it sounds really interesting. And um, oh, well, thank you. And obviously, you're doing something right if you have a Canadian uh, Can- <laughs> or Canadian podcast award. Is that what it's called? That that's right, the Canadian yeah. podcast awards. Yeah, yes. <laughs> um, so you know, you're obviously doing something right. Given your background, do you think? the way that you grew up and the experiences you had would be valuable to like, if you were to have a child or start, you know, have children, do you think that mm-hmm. would be a similar experience that you would want them to have? Um, not assuming you want them, because mm-hmm. if you don't, that's fine. But I just hypothetically, <laughs> do you think that's something that's valuable for, for a kid to experience? I, I totally think it's it's valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you get exposed to the idea that um, even just the idea that, you know, the way that people think where you live and the way that, you know, the language that people speak, but the kind of ideas that people have, mm-hmm. um, you know, are different in other places. That's such a valuable thing, especially because, you know, the whole world is becoming more global. You know, every city is becoming more global. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we're both in countries where so many people have roots from different places. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's a really valuable thing, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you mentioned you like worked jobs, like when you went to the Bahamas, you like worked and saved up. And um, when you went to Finland, you were working, it was a work study, so you were earning money. Yes. But um, I'm wondering, do you have any tips financial wise in terms of funding, like being able to afford to, you know, study in a different country, or even like moving to a different country? And, and, oh, Lord, have mercy. Do you have any financial <laughs> tips that can make that a feasible thing for, for people who are interested in doing those things? Yeah, I, I think it, um, you know, it depends where you are as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I was, I was fortunate. And, you know, when I did the Palmas thing when I was in high school, that was one of the conditions my parents had that, you know, this is not going to be a joke. Like, <laughs> you're going to work for this and, and yeah. pay for, for it. So, you know, there's no, no messing around on this right. trip. You're going to get something serious. Out right. of it. It's not a vacation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that was pretty part of the package. Yeah. So that was one way to do it. I mean, definitely, um, you know, I, I didn't do this online, but I do know who friends who um, did kind of co-op programs. I don't know if you might call them something different in the mm. U.S., um, but, you know, where part of your your program of study is, you know, you spend a semester or two working somewhere. Mm. Um, and, and I had friends who did that in, in their undergrad degrees, um, and that helped them pay for things. There are scholarships. Um, sometimes there are scholarships that you don't expect, like the, the country that you might be interested in going to might have a scholarship. Mm. Um, which, you know, is, you're usually thinking about applying from, for one from your own country, but, um, yeah, a lot of places do have scholarships to do that in different places. I know mm-hmm. I talked to someone recently who went abroad through, um, a Rotary club and some scholarships oh, yeah. that they had. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and she was in Senegal and she was studying French and studying Wolof. And she actually kind of used that experience as sort of like a launch pad for working internationally. 
Mm. Um, Because she said, you know, at the beginning, she didn't really have that experience that anybody was going to hire her to do that. But that was the way that she was able to gain that experience. Mm, So all of those things, I think, are are really helpful. And, you know, whatever you can find that will do that, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, grab onto it and, and, (laughs) you know, maximize it as much as you can. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. For sure. And then, I mean... um, I mean, you've had so many different types of experiences in, in these different countries, right? But I'm wondering if you have any um, major takeaways or um, advice just in terms of, like, the experience of traveling and living in these places that you'd like to <laughs> impart to others? Um, I think one of the things that I expected early on was that, you know, you're supposed to go somewhere as a student and it's going to be this fantastic, great experience. Mm-hmm. And, you know, really in a lot of those experiences, there are ups and there are downs. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and, and, and there's times that are tough. There are times when you might feel really alone because um, you might be the only person from wherever and, you know, you feel like you don't know anything in this place mm. um, mm-hmm. and you don't know anybody there yet. So I think if, if I could go back and tell that to my younger self or even to people that are thinking about doing that, it's, you know, don't worry about it if it's not perfect. Um, it'll be really memorable and you'll, you'll learn a whole lot of things out of it. Um, even sometimes some of the tough times, uh, you learn new problem solving skills that way. And I think that it also, those experiences, the other thing is that, you know, the more places that you come in contact with, the more different people, the more it gives you points of connection with other people, people Mm -hmm. who might've grown up completely differently than you did, different language, different, you know, ethnicity, race, culture, religion, whatever. But, you know, the more that you have those connections and you've had an experience of something that is different than what you know, you know, the more you're able to connect with other parts of, you know, other human beings, which, you know, is is pretty valuable. It is. It is so valuable. (laughs) I know you said that in terms of like moving somewhere else, that's something that has to be, you know, thought over. And it's not just you to consider now, it's you and your husband. So maybe moving somewhere is still something that might not be like in the immediate plans or or anything. But um, in terms of just traveling, is there anywhere that you plan on going soon or that you would like to, to go to in the near future? Um, you know what? We're, we're just talking about that now, actually. <laughs> we're kind of <laughs> negotiating that now for, you know, this, this year, cause we, it's been a while since we've been on a vacation and we mm-hmm. were thinking, okay, do we have an opportunity to do it this year and where do we want to go? So that's exactly what we're debating. Okay. Um, I, <laughs> I also feel like, um, you know, I'm now living in Western Canada and it, this is a huge country. So there's yeah. lots of parts of my own country that, you know, we haven't seen yet. So there, there's lots of opportunity to, to see things there too. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I hope you do uh, are are able to take a vacation and go somewhere. I'm sure that'll be nice and restorative, and um, you know everyone can use a break from time to time. So, and yeah, I, I I totally feel you. I I think here in the states, it's like I think we take for granted how how vast it is here. It just you know it's so much that I I myself have not explored or been to even though I'm aware of you know I know the geography mm-hmm. but I don't know those places personally you know because it's such a big country so yeah. I totally feel yeah. you on that with with yeah. Canada I know it's similar in that it is so vast and there's so much there. Um, well, I, I think you have a lot more cities than we do, so yeah, <laughs> a lot more places to visit that way, and yeah, all different. You know, could be like going to almost like going to a different country, although the language and everything else is the same. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> right. Um, okay, well, great. 
I really appreciate your um, your time today. Thank you for indulging my random questions about Canada. I didn't realize how much I didn't know about Canada until I started talking to you today. So <laughs> well, well, you've for... been here, so you've experienced it firsthand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but just like basic things I didn't realize I didn't know or that I was curious <laughs> about until I talked to you today. So thank you for indulging me and answering oh, those thank, questions. Thank you very much. Maybe one day, um, you know, we'll reverse it and I can ask you all those questions about the U.S. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, but yeah, I really appreciate learning about uh, your experiences. I apologize. I don't know where my head is at today in terms of searching for words and everything, but I hope you have enjoyed no this conversation today. <laughs> thank you so much, Danielle. It's been it's been a pleasure. It's been really great talking to you. And thank you for, you know, being interested in listening to all of this. I, I yeah, and I hope I hope your audience, especially prospective students, you know, yeah. gets gets a lot out of all the great interviews you've done. Oh, oh my goodness. Thank you. You're so nice. You're very generous. <laughs> well, it's, it's a pretty valuable resource. Like I wish I'd had something like this when I was thinking of doing it. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's the, that's the whole point. That's what I'm, I'm aiming for. So, um, yeah, thank you for, for wanting to be a part of it. That means a lot to me. It really does. Um, Thanks so much. Yeah, I think the one thing that I might not have mentioned is the um, URL of the podcast. Oh yes! Oh um, my I gosh! Can, I can send that to you, or or I can mention it now. Which yes, no, I totally. Thank yeah. you for mentioning that. I totally forgot. Okay. The last question that I ask everybody is, <laughs> where can people find you or reach you? Keep up with what you're doing. So please go ahead and share. Oh, that. Okay. So um, yeah, the podcast uh, you can find it on the usual podcatchers, but the URL for the main site is um, crosspollination.co. Okay. Yeah, one word. Perfect. But okay. that's great. Thank you so much, Danielle. All right, y'all. There it is. Thanks to NB for being such a wonderful guest. And I hope you like how this all turned out. As with the beginning of the episode, I'm going to try to keep this outro quite brief this time. So for the rest of you listening... Don't forget to follow this podcast at Young Gifted and Abroad on Instagram and Facebook and at YG Abroad on Twitter. Check out guest profiles and resource lists on the website, younggiftedandabroad.com. Listen to Young Gifted and Abroad everywhere podcasts are and leave five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher if you feel so inclined. would really appreciate that. And if you need to contact me, feel free to do so at younggiftedandabroad at gmail.com. So for the next episode in two weeks, the guest is going to be someone who, again, is a fellow podcaster who has been to various places, but there was one particular trip where she was doing service in Ghana that was very impactful and transformative for her. So you get to hear all about that in two weeks. Hopefully I will have my full voice back by then. <laughs> Lord willing. And um, until then, thank you so much for listening. And talk to you next time. Thank you.